Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're talking to Barry Morgan of Time Track, who's in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So, welcome, Barry. Thank you, Peter. So tell me about your academic experience. Where did you go to school? I went to school in England where I was born. Uh, Went to grammar school, um, graduated at 16, which is typical over there at that time. And then um, I went into banking. Where where did you, uh, you went straight into banking in England? Yes, from school, I went straight into banking. I went up for an interview at the uh, branch in my local uh, community in the hometown I lived in with my parents. And uh, I went to have an interview with the manager. And while I was uh, standing there outside his office, I saw a young lady at the counter busy working away. And I looked over and I thought, hmm, she's rather nice. I found out afterwards she looked over at me and thought, hmm, he's rather nice. As it turned out, uh, we eventually married and she's been my wife now for 62 years. Wow. <laughs> what was the name of the bank, Barry? It was the Trustee Savings Bank. It was um, not one of the major commercial banks, but they were all over Britain and they were eventually absorbed into one of the big commercial banks, but it was a very good introduction into the banking system and, uh, you know, obviously meeting with customers as they came in. So when did you come to Canada? That was back in the late 70s. We'd been over to Canada on holiday, staying with friends who invited us just to come over for a holiday, came for three weeks, that's in Scarborough, and uh, we went back home. So I was just browsing the papers and there was an advert for a major telecommunications company in Canada, which turned out to be Bell Canada. So I said to my wife, oh, there's a job here in Canada, rather facetiously. Oh, why don't you put in for it? So I did, not really expecting all that much, really. But anyway, it turned out, they invited me to go down to London for a couple of interviews. Some of their HR people had come over from Canada. So I had two interviews and they hired me and they brought the whole family over to Canada, which was very nice. Sorry, I'll just turn the telephone off. So um, I ended up coming over to uh, Bell Canada. So how long did you work with Bell Canada? Or just three years until about 1980. I was traveling up and down to Montreal for, for uh, three or four days each week, which I wasn't too happy with at the time. And um, it wasn't quite in my line of business because uh, I trained as an industrial engineer in England with a big um, manufacturing company. So, um, I was approached by somebody who worked at the Toronto Dominion Bank down at the TD Centre in Toronto. So uh, we met, had a coffee. He said, 
I'm leaving, my position is available. So I applied, they had me in for an interview and I got hired and I've stayed with them for about 15 years. And what roles did you perform at TD? Uh, I was only on the corporate side, not on the branch side. Um, I was installing, designing, implementing productivity systems uh, throughout all the corporate divisions of the bank, which involved traveling to Montreal, uh, Vancouver, uh, Regina, Winnipeg. It was quite interesting. So I was centered in Toronto, but I had a countrywide uh, mandate and the job that I was doing, corporate productivity. So after TD Bank, what was the next job? Well, they decided to let me go. Downsizing is the uh, polite word. But anyway, they decided to let me go. And um, as part of job hunting, that was I was still only in my 50s. So I decided to uh, reactivate my membership of my professional association, Canadian Society for Industrial Engineers. I was elected onto the board there. And at the meetings, a fellow board member phoned me one night and said, I'm teaching at Centennial College. I have to go down to the States on a project would you like to cover my night school for me? I thought, my words, I've never really taught before such. But I went up to uh, the college, found the test textbook, course outline, and he said, um, cover my Thursday evening night school in industrial engineering. And uh, he says, I just pay you what I get paid. So, of course, in wandering around the corridors and everything, uh, some of the bo the bosses and the chairs said, who are you? I see me walking around, but they don't know who you are. Explained who I was. I was just covering for uh, an absent teacher. So we went down for a coffee, which seems to be a good way to get jobs these days, networking. And um, eventually I got a phone call. I remember December the 23rd, two days before Christmas, my wife's birthday. Barry, we'd like you to take four sections of uh, operations ma management starting next semester. I thought, why? But anyway, I recovered from my shock. Fortunately, the bookstore was still open. It was about ready to close. Went up, picked up the course outline and the textbook and I um, did some intensive studying over Christmas and New Year. And I started in January. And that was the start of a very, very happy and successful part of my career teaching at Centennial College. And after my contracts had been running for a few semesters, um, I was asked to um, apply for a full-time position, which I did. I was appointed full-time professor until I actually had to reach mandatory retirement at the age of 65, which was the law at that time. Now, of course, it's not implemented now, but at the time it was. 
So I really felt I landed on my feet with Centennial College. It was a, a big boost to me personally. So during that time, I think you taught online as well, did you? Uh, at Centennial College, no. It was after I retired. I was then doing, uh, I had a booth at a business um display down in London, Ontario, and somebody walked by, I was promoting, that's where the word time track comes from, which is my email address. It's uh, tracking of time, part of my productivity previous background. Um, I had, I developed an application using small laser scanners, and I created barcodes, uh, and then for a duty list, for typical day's work, like lawyers and accountants that, that build by the hour. So by just scanning the barcode with the little scan about the size of a small egg, um, it could be downloaded after a month. And I would then send the client a full display of their 150, 250, 300 hours or whatever it was that they'd spent in the previous month, and they could use that then for billing purposes with their clients, a much easier way than handwriting in a diary. So that's where time track came from. But then I was approached by somebody at this exhibition, would I go up to see them in Ottawa, where he was the president of a private career college. And uh, he decided to hire me. He wanted a travel program put online. So I developed it entirely from scratch, wrote the curriculum, wrote all the programs on software right from square one. And uh, that's been running now for about 15 years until the travel industry largely collapsed um, earlier this year. And um, uh, the president decided to close down that particular program. So at the moment, I'm independent and finding quite a bit of interesting work. So Barry, not only doing the travel program, you've done other services for various people. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I'm quite interested with uh, my local church, I've been a member for oh, no, many... no, no, about your in terms of your business. You work with other uh, projects. Oh, yes. Um, there's a large dental school in Ottawa who needs surveys done, as all colleges do, as part of their accreditation requirements to maintain their license every year with the government. So uh, I do online surveys for uh, faculty, graduates, employees, students, and I do the analysis, prepare a report for them, as well as this private career college I was doing the travel program with. So that's been uh, quite interesting um, because they do have to do it as legal requirements, as all community colleges do as well as not just private colleges. So that keeps me quite interested. So now that you've uh, slowed down a little bit, <laughs> you're doing 
projects in the community for the community. Tell us about that. Yes, well, I'm pretty active with my local Probus Club, uh, which are Canada-wide, and uh, I'm the vice president, but I'm also the webmaster. So I have a pretty active website, and I do recruiting of guest speakers to come to our monthly membership meetings. And I try to get quite a good variety of speakers. Um, a donkey sanctuary. The next month we have Camp X, which is the spy school that runs in Whitby during World War II, where they train spies. And, uh, and um, that is quite a challenge because it's very active and uh, that keeps me quite involved, as well as the doing um, websites for uh, two churches, one in England and one in Scarborough, uh, for their Christmas bazaars, putting silent auctions up online and people can bid online. And uh, so that's quite challenging. I have to keep on top of that. I've already had a, um, a submission for a bid from England this morning. So the five hour difference, of course, catches me a bit unawares at times, but it's still fun. It keeps me active. That's terrific. Now you also have a caregiver role with your wife. Yes, my wife is not in the best of health with arthritis, which is uh, unfortunate, but um, I'm the primary caregiver. So in a way with being working at home uh it's been able it's enables me to keep my interest going while i can still give 100 percent protection uh, to my wife which again gives me a lot of satisfaction the diversion of online activity on the computer is uh complements very nicely with looking after my wife and doing the cooking and the shopping. I'm a real domestic worker, real domestic. Personal support worker, unofficial, unauthorized, untrained, but self-taught. <laughs> so Barry, you and your wife both had COVID. Tell us about that experience. I'm, I'm sorry, Peter. You and your wife both had COVID. Can you tell us about that experience? Yes, earlier this year, in fact, it was January, uh, we both went up and got tested and both came back negative. It was just a precautionary check. But a few days later, my wife started to get rather unwell and feverish and I got a bit worried. I called 911, they came very quickly. I'd never called 911 before. And as soon as the paramedic walked into the bedroom, he took one look at my wife and said, bladder infection. He recognized the signs and it turned out he was absolutely spot on. So she was in hospital for two and a half weeks uh, with antibiotics to kill the infection. But while she was actually in hospital, she actually did contract COVID-19, which is not surprising. So then when she was ready to leave, they called me, said, you can come and pick up your wife. 
I did, and of course, naturally, bringing her back to the home, I had to catch COVID-19 from her as well. It was quite inevitable. So fortunately, um, it wasn't as severe because I put a lot of credit down to last November when we both had our flu shots. And I've read that the antibodies that are set up in your body from the flu shot sets your body up to a natural protection for other infections. So by the time we both caught COVID-19, it wasn't as severe as it would have been. So the flu shot, I think, was a big credit towards making us still around and here. The side effects were predominantly lack of appetite. Uh, I personally lost 22 pounds. My wife lost 14 pounds. For 10 days, I couldn't even think of breakfast. I was totally no appetite at all. But it gradually came back with soups. And our two children who live maybe an hour's drive away, they were obviously very concerned. But of course, they couldn't come to the house. But fortunately, we used Skype and Zoom a lot. They could see and talk to us. And my son would deliver uh, boxes of soups that he bought, dropped, and they were a lifesaver for us. They really were. And uh, the church were absolutely fantastic. The uh, uh, the nurses were phoning twice a day. The health service was absolutely incredible. I was overwhelmed with the support. Nurses calling twice a day, getting me to check our temperature, uh, putting one of those things over your thumb that tells your pulse rate and your oxygen intake. It was just absolutely unbelievable. Just two people, but there were two people. So the health service were fabulous. And I actually wrote to my local counselor a message of, of credit to how much we were looked after. So it was a scary time. I think my wife is what they call a long hauler. I think so. But uh, bearing in mind, uh, we're doing pretty good. But it was a scary experience. I wrote an article about it for my church magazine and also for the Provost magazine. Not so much to tell them what we had gone through, but to try to reassure our readers, this is what you may expect if you were unfortunate to catch COVID, but don't be too frightened. You can survive. If we can survive, you can. So that was the message. Well, Barry, you've had uh, a very interesting career in England and in Canada, and you're not slowing down, which you should be doing. And uh, thank you for your time this morning. It's been very interesting to talk to you, Peter. <laughs>